it's this weird phenomenon where it's it's all of these people who half of them realize how funny sucking on a chili dog is. And that's the only thing that brings us together. And the other half seems to be genuine John Cougar Mellencamp fans. Who, who like, the people who like the memes and shit are not John Cougar Mellencamp fans. They could care no. less. And the no. John Coo- and this comes into conflict often. <laughs> it's- why? Yeah. If you are a genuine John Cougar Mellencamp fan, why would you need... <laughs> 500 esoteric, inscrutable, (laughs) Spongebob's eating hot dog (laughs) memes. Why would you, why would that enhance your John Cougar Mellencamp? It would not. I don't think, I can't imagine that it could. (laughs) But still, they be sugging. They be sugging. Yeah, suggins, suggins are a thing. I didn't mean for that to have synchronicity with today's topic, but it actually might. <laughs> um, eating a hell of a lot of chili dogs may be pertinent. Let's find out. So before we get um, sucked down like a chili dog, let's introduce this um, frickin' frackin' show. Welcome to Oops! All Monsters, the deadly unserious show about creatures, cryptids, and curiosities curated by two weirdos from wild and wonderful West Virginia. That weirdo and me. That weirdo with me when he's not throwing apples at the murder hobos that killed the most beautiful woman in Oz is Gavin. And this weirdo with me who is video captured is Hess. I don't want to know. I am maybe I am video captured. That maybe well maybe that's why my emotions are so ro- robotic and repetitive. <laughs> and we are here to, as we always are, delight and edify you with tales of mysterious monsters from mythology, film, literature, TV, as well as gaming from the console and the tabletop and beyond. On a rotating basis, each of us brings a monster into the shop, unknown to the other presenter, and discusses their origins and implications for the benefit of you, dear readers. I got a, I got a spicy mouth tonight. I can't get the, I can't get the, the saliva to lay down flat. Yeah. It's bothering me. Yeah. I, I hate it. it. Happens to me all the time. All right. So uh, here we are. Villainous vocabulary. What is my word? I, f- I forgot how to say my word. <laughs> That's a problem. Yeah. Because you'll, ne- you'll never get the uh, childlike empress to, to save um, Fantasia that way. Oddly <laughs> enough, the word is pulchritude. Uh, is pulchritude hotness? Pulchritude is beauty, yeah. Bam! Ka-ching! Nailed it. I did. I knew pulchritude. Let me see if I can spell it. P-U-L-C-H-R-I-T-U-D. Yeah, yeah. I pulchritude. Ke- I keep wanting to say pulchritude. <laughs> yeah. He's there. He's cool, but pulchritude. He's pul- pulchritidic. Yeah, just to be butescent. Butescent and pulchritidic. <laughs> I went to the beautician because I wasn't beautitious enough. Increase my pulchritude. She got out her trowel and scraped a bunch of butashia all over me. I'm now butashi. I'm, now I'm beautificus as fuck effects. <laughs> it's, 
It's all my topic this week has me real uh, sl- slap sassy. Good. It's a it's um it's a confu- it's a disorienting topic. That's that's all I can say up front. But yeah, that's great. That's a good one. And I did know that one. We need we do need to get a sound a thing. It's not like a standard soundboard. But we like we need like a ding a, a ding ding for when we absolutely definitely know the vocab and and et cetera et cetera et cetera. Oh, I'll just get some. I'll just I'll find some some post um, drops to throw in. Yeah. All right, so now that we're out of video, video villainous, villainous vocabulary. Villainous vocabulary. Video killed the vocabulary star. Villainous vocabulary. I probably did. Now that we're out of that segment, let me have you, Gavin. Imagine if you will. I will. It's the mid nineteen eighties. Awesome. And you are the town drunk. Cool. You have just been, <laughs> you've just been raised from one of your many slumbers in your tiny Kansas town's drunk tank down at the jail, and you've creaked your old bones over to the farm where you do miscellaneous engine and car work for uh, a local farmer who helps you out. You try to ignore the very cacophonous radio-style transmissions that come through the fillings in in your back teeth, but today the sound of them just won't go away. Oh, man. So, (laughs) before too long, the helpful old farmer kicks you off the job and you stagger your way to to the one part of town with anything in it that that makes up what your what your town constitutes for a main street and find the one bar that will serve you which is a mini bar in the back of the bowling alley yep you uh you you sit down and the fat bartender in the hawaiian shirt who has heard enough of your shit about aliens, pours you another one, and leaves you the whole damn bottle to get you to just leave him alone for half an hour. Yeah. As you drown your sorrows and watch the newscast and ramble on about the space aliens that are constantly harassing you through mental messages. When all of a sudden... Two rock and roll leather clad studded cape motherfuckers blast open the front door with giant unimaginable assault cannons. <laughs> Half of the building exploding yeah. in a balsa wood fury of fire yeah, yeah, and stolid yeah, yeah. expressions on the search for some strange monster. What? Monster, am I talking about today? Would they be looking for any type of critter? You damn right they are. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. They're looking for the crites, aka yeah, the crites. Yeah, the crickety crickety critters. About time of, we did critters <laughs> of critters. Critters one, the main course. Critters, no wait, no. Critters two, the main course. Critters three. Critters four. 
uh, Critters 5, some shit about space or something. Something. And and Critters are on TV again. It's like six, five or six Critters things. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Today, I, um, for the part, we're going to call this Critters Part 1 because, uh, man, there's a lot of shit to watch about the Critters. Oh, man, there's like a newer one. Yeah, there's a the new, there's a whole new Critters verse. What the hell? Critters got rebooted in the uh, in the late twenty teens. Man, why? Um, <laughs> uh, some somebody needed a new pool repaired. I figure. Yes, yeah. Uh, but um, we'll we'll get into all that later. For the purposes of today, we're gonna we're gonna worry about. Critters OG, Critters Numero Uno from 1986, yeah. uh, and Critters 2, the main course, okay, a couple years after that, yeah. and we're going to marginally touch on Critters 3 and Critters 4, because I'm, spoiler, spoiler alert for you folks, they really suck, and there's not a whole lot of development there to go through. And, so regarding the monsters... Leonardo DiCaprio's in 3. Ryder was Ira. Yeah, we've got Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio's first appearance in um in Critter first appearance in like anything. Yeah. In Critters 3 where he uh acts everybody acts circles around everybody else in the movie. Yeah. And then um and then Brad Dourif chewing his way through uh, Critters 4 as the only competent human being in space apparently. Yeah. You know those, um, man-eating hairballs that you do not believe in. Yeah, what about them? Well, I am reading two life forms on your level that could be them. But, well, let's worry about that. For, for, for our audiences uh, all around the world who were not digging through their local video one or uh, blockbuster in 1988... What the fuck is Critters, Gavin? So what? How? How? Oh, man. How ubiquitous? I mean, how? Out of all, if you went to a hundred video stores in the United States in 1988, how many of them would have had more than one Critters movie out for you to rent? Well, I'm I just, I'm thinking uh, a a better date would be like 91 or two. Okay. By 91 sure. or 2, every single video store, Maris's, the one on the corner of any any kind of blockbuster-ish place, had the two Critters movies prominent right there in the horror section or in the monster mm-hmm. section or wherever section. Just, yeah. just C. It's A, B, C. And for <laughs> some reason, yeah. Critters was before... Um, like yeah. the angel farts or whatever. <laughs> yeah. ABBA, the horror music. ABBA, the horror, horror music. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Critters yeah. was first. Critters was front. Critters was rented constantly. And I remember, <laughs> I remember all of the metalhead kids from the trailer park when I was a child loved uh-huh. the Critters movies and and it was like it was already a classic to me because all the metalhead kids were like Critters are this and Critters are that and they were like establishing the canon and like what was and wasn't in the universe like d- like down on the corner where the rotten park bench was 
Yeah, that's that's good that you have a relationship with it because I have to tell you, I'm <laughs> I'm I'm really struggling to define what critters is. And maybe <laughs> maybe nobody gives a sh- I mean, because the thing is it's so superficially true what it is. It's a it's a it's a a puppet monster movie about little space aliens that chew you up and eat you. I mean, yeah. it's just it's it is that. It's not particularly trying to be anything else. Yeah. Right? It's not George Romero where <clears throat> he has secretly underpinned a um a very powerful allegory about something political. Yeah. Or yeah. about the, uh, America's fear of communists or fear of, you know, uh, racial Racism, anxiety or yeah. something. Yeah. Right. There's nothing. It's yeah, just no. little fucking yeah. puppets to chew you up and eat you. Yeah, that's, critters, just, that's all it is. Critters are not the impending um, doom that the military industrial complex brings. Critters are not climate change. Critters are not... Um, yeah. racial tension critters are not communists critters are little Crit- puppets <laughs> you heard it here first critters are not communists critters are not so communists I, I just I I don't so I thought it would come to me upon consuming enough minutes of these um, uh, movies of varying quality that <laughs> that that like the minutes. well the <laughs> Well, everything can be counted in minutes. I know, I know. But the, I know. Uh, minutes is I all watched, I can take. <laughs> I watched definitely more than two whole movies. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll call that. I watched lots of very slow acting and very slow scenes. Yes. In a place that, that was called Kansas that was not. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't Kansas. <laughs> but back to the video store thing is Critters, the Critters movies say me maybe one or you know critters one two maybe another one thrown in there they were just really a reliable source of you know that's gonna one of those is gonna be at the video store yeah if you're somebody that's like ah let's just get some popcorn crap and watch some people get rended apart in a hilarious way critters delivers yeah and and you know, in an era when people came to the video store and really what they they would articulate to you their need, they had a desire for basically a tool that would do a job in a way. But they're like, I want a fucking funny horror movie where a bunch of people get murdered and it's hilarious. Yeah. Like, I, I want to crack up at some shit that I don't expect to happen. I want to see some monsters explode. I want to see some things catch fire. Yeah. You know, with, I want to be some, rolling around with some extra sci-fi stuff like like the bounty hunters. Yeah, I I want some surprises, yeah. but I don't I don't necessarily want to be challenged that much. Yeah. I I know? need a, I need a good guy with a with an assault cannon. It's just and just to make sure we're all safe. <laughs> and so Critters comes out in 1986 and I need to posit that this is 2 years uh, well, probably not two whole calendar years, but it's two years officially by d- dates that uh, is after Gremlins. Because people make a lot of hay that um, Critters is just a, a Gremlins ripoff. No. And I don't actually think that that's true at all. No, not at all. Totally different feel. Totally different style. It, it, is, a to- it is a totally different feel. And 
Um, even one of the first things that's on IMDb is the director, Stephen Herrick, uh, refuted this in interviews, pointing out that the first Critters script written by Dominic Muir uh, was done long before Gremlins went into production. Yeah. And then they also did a bunch of rewrites to make sure it would be less like Gremlins. So I think this is another case that has come up in our show a bunch of times of parallel thinking that, you know, what do we got? Puppets and dudes that like to build puppets. I mean, what basically (laughs) both Gremlins and Critters are pretty much ripping off the Black Plague. Okay. Like if you want, if right. you want to consider it that way, <laughs> like, you mean like the literal phenomenon yeah, of the like, pandemic well, that killed million billions of people? Yeah, like a, a little and... furry monster that reproduces way faster than we can handle <laughs> and kills everybody. Okay. <laughs> or yeah, where you, you you could say that they're both ripping off Tribbles if Tribbles oh, was scary yeah. as opposed to played for gags. Now the plague was before right? Tribbles. Well, yes, I'm, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I, I'm, I know, I'm, I know, I know. Okay, um, but I I believe that Critters was a um, a raw, real idea because yeah. the people involved have gone on to have other you know ideas. For instance, um, the 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 individuals, the three brothers, the Chiodo brothers, that are so much associated with the puppet effects of these little balled up furry monster guys that are about the size of a depending on the movie uh sometimes about as big as a sometimes as big as a beach ball sometimes as big as a softball uh there are variant critters that are weird furry hedgehog guys that are maybe the size of a child that's all fattened up and then there's variant critter developments later on that gets into a whole thing they they can do things but for those of us who are in um, uh, non-English as a first language countries like Canada or the Ook over there in the um, Atlantic Ocean, um, there a critter, what they look like is kind of like a little gr- greasy black hedgehog, maybe eight, ten inches high. Yeah. With uh, And, you know, they're obviously a puppet. They got little stubby arms and legs. They don't really do for anything. They roll around for locomotion. Yeah. They've got a wide slash of a mouth that's always grinning, that's as wide as their whole body. And rows of weird little fangy uh, shark teeth. Yeah, their entire design is based off of, like, what would be a practical comedy effect for a movie. Yeah, and they tend to have these hilarious glowing red eyes, which yeah. in a way it is it is kind of gremlinsy. Yeah. Um sometimes they're glowing, sometimes they're not, and then depending on how one of them meets a hilarious demise yeah. or is shot with a shotgun or electrified or um fried in a deep fryer, a specific puppet will spend the rest of the movie with a hilarious add-on to its um to its previous circumstance. Yeah. But imagine these kind of greasy black volleyballs that um jump on you, sometimes can leap through the air with uh bizarre unlikely alacrity. Yeah. And um also can kind of bend over and fire these little spines. Yeah. That have these little, they're kind of like little spears, you know, <laughs> yeah. and they zap into you and, and and give you a light poisoning. It's not a very f- effective poisoning yeah. for the um, most reviled creature in all of the galaxy, 
but um, a poison nonetheless. And f- at the in the first movie, that's basically their deal. That um, we find out that these krites, K R I T E S, is what the space bounty hunters call them. Yeah. Discover that some the the bounty hunters discover that some krites have been detected down on Earth. Yeah. Okay, and then. The, the but the thing is, you get forty minutes basically of fucking slow ass Kansas mood setting. Yeah, at the front of critters that no no zillennial or zoomer could possibly sit through now without an iPad. Yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah. Oh man, it goes and it goes and it goes and it goes. But I guarantee that's one of the main things that got this. A two thumbs up for motherfucking Siskel and Ebert <laughs> over in Ch- oh, those ha- those chili dogs sucking sons of bitches. Yeah, those they love they love this fuck. They love this movie. Yeah. They loved it. Um, and the original one, it has some very kind of like um, academic pleasing aspects. In that, it really rallies around the family in a plot in a plot way. To develop this little ginger kid played by Scott Grimes and the his best friend, the town drunk Charlie, played by um, Keith Opper, who later on you will discover he's a uh, relative of the producers, which is one of the reasons he becomes uh, <laughs> a staple in all of the movies going, uh, you know, up to a certain point. He's a, he's the one that's always in there and he's always uh, at least co-starring, if not starring. But he's also got one of the best characters, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight with it too much. Yeah. But the thing is, Charlie's the town drunk, and Scott is the town um, ginger that blows things up with black cat firecrackers. Yeah, yeah. You know, every you know, if you're gonna have a town, start with those, right? Didn't he have like a sleeveless rock and roll vest? And um, or, or am I thinking well, of me? No, <laughs> uh, no yeah, that was man. I can't. I can't keep. I am in a. I'm in a blur of images of characters wearing different things and different <laughs> combos from these movies. There definitely is some um, inappropriate vest stuff. Like there's the there's the shitty guy who wears a leather vest covers covered in pins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in yeah. Three who's like the super. But then there's a rock. There's a shitty rock and roll bully guy. Yeah, and two. There's the shitty best friend. Yeah. There's there's shitty rural stereotypes just zigzagging around the all of I just I remember that's that's what I based um on how well I liked the character when I was a kid is if they had a sleeveless studded denim vest. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's nothing less industrial or less rock and roll than sleeves. Yeah. Um uh, that's, that's one of the main things that makes um it, rivet heads and industrial a separate thing from goths is goths love sleeves um <laughs> yeah. industrial kids no get the, get them out of here yeah that boots that no sleeves that is the clear difference between the two if you're wondering which guy you're looking at if it has sleeves it's a goth if it doesn't that's a rivet head Yeah, they, it's we're whiffing. We got our 
our audience is all 20-year-old um, Iranians, I think. So oh. they have no fucking idea what we're talking about. Sure they do. Basically, you've got, man, they really developed the shit out of um, this family and their, and their crazy drunk friend who is partially employed fixing carburetors and shit around the farm. Yeah. And the critters very incrementally encroach on this farmhouse. One finally makes its presence uh, where its glowing eyes appear uh, among a a rack of children's toys. Yeah. And Dad is like, the fuck is that? And then, boom, it it, it zooms out. And that is one of many, many E.T. references that this is this movie is making and and some people call that a hit like man they're really ripping off et and i'm like no 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 they're doing a joke yeah they're doing a joke that this space alien is yeah. is evil yeah to assume that all, that if you got a random space alien and it showed up in your kid's bedroom you would be like hello could you please get me back to my trailer park no <laughs> yeah. it's just as likely yeah. it's going to fucking eat your balls off while you're wearing a bunny suit yeah. <laughs> It's not like they're biting E.T.'s style, so to speak. Yeah. Um, insert grow there. They are. Contrast. It's a, yeah, they're like, ha ha, E.T.'s cute, fuck you, fuck cute. When you look and you see that the Shioto brothers are the same guys that did the clowns in the killer oh, clowns no. of outer space, yeah. you become aware of the kind of senses of humor you're dealing with. Yeah. Which is very morbid, very dark, very tongue-in-cheek, and very willing to take, uh, you know, symbols of vanilla life, cuteness, circuit imagery, pink and striped and cotton candy, and to pervert it into nightmarish, blood-sucking monsters. (laughs) I say we take off and nuke the entire site from orbit. And and that's what we have here. We have a very proto version of that where it's just a little fucking puppet that will jump on your throat, rip you apart, and eat you whole. Yeah. And uh, over way longer than you would think, the critters battle this family, including the kid, the hapless teenager who spends a very curious amount of time not having sex with Billy Zane in the hayloft, <laughs> yeah. and Billy Zane gets into a fight with one, loses like a couple of fingers to it, um, which is you know probably better than his his hair loss later on. Is like man, you see the watch this movie, and the main thing I could not obsess with, uh, uh, I could not stop obsessing over was look how much fucking hair Billy Zane has. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is what weird. A, what a what a what a obnoxiously handsome guy. <laughs> The pace of it is interminably slow for modern eyes. Yeah. But it does really set up all of these different dynamics. The one thing that I will say is, man, I really disliked um, farm mom and farm dad on this in this family. Dee Wallace? Because, no, I mean, I like Dee Wallace, <laughs> but her character sucked ass. Yeah. Right? So these are like deep rural Kansas farmers. It's not like they're, it's not like they're, you know, Connecticut soybean farmers. These are like Kansas ass farmer farmers. Yeah. They got all steel trucks still. Yeah. They're fixing their own engines. They're milking their own cattle. 
So they get these little, little bitey guys, you know, attack dad, and they're just running around like assholes. They grab one shotgun after 15 minutes of being torn apart by these things yeah. and don't use it effectively. They leave the two Winchesters that are right next to it up there as if, ah, this will be sufficient. <laughs> and they just march around the whole place, lollygagging. Like in a completely these are they're just not being real Americans, you know, and I <laughs> yeah. can understand from a practical perspective as the story makers, as the director and the writers of this movie, if you had these Kansas farmers behave like actual 1980s Kansas farmers, they'd be lighting the whole fucking place up two minutes into this encounter. Yeah. And you'd have to have you'd have to have a hundred crites, not ten crites yeah. for it to be. A drama, you know, yeah. if you got some actual American behavior. They probably right? didn't want to set up that many puppets. It's <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. So you have to make you have to make the the farmers a little bit incompetent, because they've really they they really should have gone pitchfork and Winchester style immediately. Yeah, that's like, what I would have done. I would Ameri have had, Americans actually would have done. Yeah, it. I would have had a hundred critter deaths before the first like five minutes of them being in the Yeah, because basically <laughs> since around the the uh, Night of the Living Dead days probably before you know, since the the original black and white Martian movies, Americans have just been horny for an invasion of something they yes. can shoot. Yes. Non fucking stop. Yeah. You know, it's one of the it's one of the reasons we're fairly incompetent with with COVID. You can't get into a four by yeah, four and, yeah, and yeah. run over the it's, mountain and shoot it's it. It's not death. like yeah. What what. <laughs> What Americans really want is a zombie communist that you won't feel bad about murdering because it's already undead and a communist. And <laughs> and they come in the in millions, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's why our enduring survival in monster myth is the zombie. Is one yeah. there's a lot of it. Uh, uh, and two, it, it, it gives us a reach around to explore our own total denial of the death taboo. Yeah. And and yeah. three, it, it can represent whatever um, political or decay in society bullshit you want to aim your your dislike at. Exactly. It is it, it is a um, it is a multi use metaphor that can be uh that can be plugged in for whatever your preference is and by by season 72 or whatever the fuck we're in with the walking dead they've made it match every possible allegory there is in the book yeah but uh walking dead's its own topic so yeah, the yeah, critters <laughs> the critters are a fairly early manifestation <laughs> of that very um that itch that all Americans want, which is to get a gun and kill a bunch of uh, evil varmint monsters that have, are going to yeah. destroy your daughter. Yeah, like as, as many as you have bullets. <laughs> kill Christ. Yeah, and um, there's an odd lesson here that comes up, has come up in a couple of our topics before, that basically all of the adults, and all, or at least all of the serious adults, are useless, untrustworthy asshats. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, that yeah. the um, the tweener boy and the um, drunk lunatic who talks to aliens yeah. can save the day. So the 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 drunk and the little boy fight them off sufficiently enough that there is um, although the critters begin to roll through town, then 
we are uh, interrupted by the very hilarious ba- space bounty hunters. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, you know, the movie would be... The movie would be one thing with just the Kansas citizens and the puppets, but the space yeah. ha- the space bounty hunters uh, add a um, a tangent of energy that uh, really caroms the ball off of its trajectory, um, bank shots it off of the, the the left rail and makes the eight ball in a way you did not see coming. It's like you essentially get these two these two characters that so what do the what do the two bounty hunters look like before they um, transform <laughs> into their new shapes? Do you remember exactly what this is um, like? I remember. Oh, okay. When I was a kid, I I watched movies with a, what had to have been some type of different actual interpretation like some type of weird alternate reality of the past uh-huh where what i remember from critters was this sophisticated um really complicated and structured transformation from like a a void person who's kind of like a faceless mannequin yeah like some yeah. type of yeah, yeah some type it. of super detailed like uh anatomically correct android built out of the concept of of being vague like okay. the the way i remember it was this beautiful artistic masterpiece i watched it recently <laughs> it's just some guy with something over his face and it's like <laughs> yeah so the the bounty hunters they're 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 wearing this kind of like <laughs> yeah. brown medieval space rock and roll garb but their yeah. their flesh is kind of a glow in the dark um, like rubber sock over a head with with no yeah. features or form or mouth or anything, but yeah. then in order to uh, function on whatever planet they're uh, going to inhabit, they they scan through the transmissions that are going on. And the first one you get is um, the actor Terrence Mann is playing yeah. this like rock and roll hot boy. Who, to me, to my mind, he looks exactly halfway in between <laughs> Hugh Laurie and um, and uh, what Tim Curry. You know, t- like t- Terrence Mann has a real kind of like Tim Curry's half brother kind of thing going on, but which is yeah. funny because he's from Kentucky. So I don't know if I, I don't know if he's do I don't know if he's like. Just stiff, doing a stiff upper lip, like I'm, I'm very theatrical thing, but um, he's good at it. He gives, he gives very like English rock and roll energy, and then yeah. the the and that bounty hunter, by the way, is named Ugg, uh, as we establish later. Johnny Steele. <laughs> yes, Johnny Steele is the rock and roller that he sees on some like you know MTV ripoff, and yeah. uh, and then copies his visage. And then they, um, go ahead. Did did you know that Terrence Mann plays um, Frankenfurter on stage? Does he? Yes. I did not know that. I was. I did look into his, some of his stuff. I know that he's got um, stuff <laughs> yeah. going on in North Carolina. I know that he has a lot of successful. I know that he's in Cats sometimes. Yeah. I didn't see that he plays Frankenfurter because um, that would make a hell of a lot of sense. Because I mean, really, he he <laughs> looks like. 
somebody, um, you know, had a mold of Tim Curry and one of them was just slightly off. You're like, yeah, yeah this one's from Kentucky. Um, I, I, and I don't mean that to be negative. I actually really like Terrence, man. It, co- yeah. it causes me to be frustrated because, um, so I don't think you've ever read any of the, uh, Dresden Files books about the, the, uh, wizard detective Harry Dresden solving crime in Chicago. But, oh, kind of. Well, they yeah. made a 19, I mean, I know they made a things. 2000s, um, I think 2000s, early 2000s. TV show of it that was not great. Um, and he, and I was, I hated to hate him because he played a character called Bob, but in the books, Bob is Bob the skull who is a spirit of light or or, or (laughs) of air. I forget trapped inside of a skull who has millennia of wizardly information that he uses to advise the main character. And Bob is, like, horny <laughs> and hilarious. And, <laughs> like, you you imagine, like, Alan Tudyk doing him in a good version. And then in yeah. the TV show, they totally got rid of the skull. They just had Bob the ghost, who's just a guy that walks around his house who can't do anything. I'm like, okay, yeah. I like Terrence Mann, but Bob the skull is the fucking skull. It's, it's the gag isn't funny if he's not a skull. <laughs> and yeah. so... Um, I, I hated resenting Terrence Mann for the decision making to make it a dude, but also, you know, who's going to pass up the, the chance to play the character. So that's, uh, and the other, the other one, um, and here's the joke here. The other bounty hunter is called Lee. So you have Ugg and Lee and the, yeah. the other one always <laughs> has, um, they establish this throughout the movies. He has transformational hesitance. So he goes down to the yeah. th- down to the planet still <laughs> in his like goopy unformed form and they run into some characters and the first person he sees that he can trans transition uh into and let me make sure I get it is the first person he sees is Ethan Phillips who people will know from Deep Space 9 um and also from what's that what's that show that uh Hugh Laurie is on as the like fake captain of the space cruise line something nine something five I, yeah something but anyway like well that. he plays an ex-astronaut oh, in that ethan phillips just always has his hands in space for some reason i'm not sure what that's about yeah. um and so he tur- he sees that ethan phillips was a sheriff that got killed in the fracas and he's his face is all torn up so when he transforms into him he's not just ethan yeah. phillips he looks like ethan phillips has already gone half romero zombie so yeah. that's the gag there. And then they, they get into the sheriff's car. They, they figure out that the shotgun is probably interesting. And then he finally, after much tinkering, gets it into gear, but he gets it into reverse. And they drive all the <laughs> way into town in reverse. It's fucking hilarious. And yeah. there's a, they do a great deadpan thing where they have absolutely no affect about anything at all in this movie. And it really contributes to <laughs> yeah. the what the fuck is this vibe in a good way. Yeah. And then kill Kreitz. Yes. And every time Lee and this carries on through the multiple movies, every time Lee turns into his new form or its new form, it it says in that form, kill Kreitz, which um, kill Kreitz, kill Kreitz, which in uh, in two is hilarious because he turns turns into this like that dork that. Yeah, that famous movie dork who I have to I don't I got to switch over to my other tab. (laughs) Where is he? 
Where is that famous movie dork? Um, yeah, who is that movie dork? He does he does so much too. Yeah, my friend, my friend, my friend Lee had him in a thing. He's um, well, the character is hungry heifer manager, and the <laughs> the guy that plays him is a guy named Eddie Deason, who um. Uh, also does, I believe, a voice on SpongeBob. Oh, and he's, oh, he does all kinds of. And voices, he's from yeah. Cumberland, Maryland. He's about from about half an hour away from here. How, how funny! Yeah. He's known for War Games. He's in Pol- uh, Polar Express as a voice. He's in Greece and Greece Two. He's been pl- yeah. he's been playing 1950s nerd for like 40 years. Yeah, um, he is. and like always exactly the same nerd too. Like, yeah, he's why is this happening? He, he's <laughs> he's just a skosh away from the original Revenge of the Nerds nerds. He's kind of like encapsulating a lot of that energy all in one guy. Um, yeah. but you know he's he's very he delivers that thing when you want that thing. <laughs> And in in addition to um, uh, in two transforming into Eddie Deason, it also hilariously yeah. transforms into um, an actress, Roxanne Kernahan, which is the real person yeah. that plays his take on a Playboy bunny. Kill Christ! Um, when Charlie, who has in two, gets spoiler alert, um, pull he survives the end of one and pulled into. The cottery of bounty hunters had taken to space. He's no longer a drunk. He's a he's a quasi successful space bounty hunter. And yeah. when they come back to kill the crates that apparently they missed the first time around, um, the the first thing he transits into is this super fucking hot blonde bombshell, and they do a whole like you know bodice ripping thing with the yeah. the the breasts manifesting. And Charlie's very pleased with this version. And her yeah. version of Kill Kreitz is absolutely hysterical. I don't know why. It's just <laughs> deadpan, and she does a good job with it. It's just it's just good. It's good writing, and it's good, um, you know, hot blonde actressing. I don't know what else to say <laughs> about that. And she's great. And in that movie, they, they flip through another um, set of various faces. Uh, it's a it's an ongoing gag in Critters yeah. too as to who Lee is scene to scene, which is not totally dissimilar from one. But now that we brought yeah. up to, basically, here's what you need to know: is they blow the shit out of all these crates in one. They think they get they succeed. The bounty hunters leave. They give um, they give Brad Brown, aka Scott Grimes, a little like belt buckle transmitter. That will tell you if the crates are nearby, yada, yada, yada. And then yeah. they, they take Charlie to space without anybody knowing, ta-da, end of movie, ta-da. And then two starts with, okay, well, the the we, there's a weird, like, smart alien that looks like a cross between, um, you know, Jabba the Hutt and a gray that's uh, played by the director's wife, I believe, who's like, ah, you did that, we have detected that in the... Following two years, there are still some crites on Earth. For yeah. to collect all of your bounty, go back and finish the job. And so they go down to finish the job, and it's the same characters. It's yeah. Ugg and Lee and Charlie yeah. is back for action. And coincidentally, um, Brad Brown, who's been out of town and is now a uh, precocious teen, um, is visiting town from the big city or some shit. Who cares? Yeah. And uh, 
And he is now a Kreitz denier. Uh, he says, nah, nah, yeah. never happened. It was fake. The world has moved on because if this was real, you know, dogs, cats living together, blah, 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 blah. Couldn't, couldn't, <laughs> everybody's denied the, the Kreitz phenomenon occurred because you have to continue to have a mundane reality for storytelling reasons. And yeah. um, he says, to, you know, the girl that wants to date him, he's like, no, no, there's no such thing as ghosts. No such thing as ghosts. And then, you know, finally, there's a, there's a, there's a, the Krite eggs are the plot device that we discover in, yeah. in two. And they kind of look like these weird fucking fist sized green, like if you were going to get a toy dinosaur egg in the early nineties, it would look like this. And, yeah. um, they're left back on the property from the house in the first movie and this rock and roll douchebag kid played by Tom Hodges, who plays various blonde bullies throughout the 80s, um, is a, a leather jacket asshole who says sells them to uh, a drunk guy who runs the junkyard and says, you can sell these for, you know, $20 a pop. And he sells the whole butchel of them to s this woman who runs the local church. It's going to be Easter. This is on, yeah. if you're a YouTube creator and you need, like, hilarious Easter content, you make a video about this. Yeah, that's Lynn Shay. Yes. Uh, well, yeah. no, actually, <laughs> Lynn Shay is a different character. There's a different, a different fussy, old, fussy old lady. A different fussy old lady. <laughs> yeah, there's a different fussy old lady in two. It's, there's, that's there, what critters eat. Uh, yes, they do. Yeah, the, the primary... Uh, the primary uh, food source of critters is fussy old ladies and hungry heifer, hungry heifer burgers. Yeah. I am reading two life forms on your level. That Talk too much. And Terrence Mann is is still still uh, the bounty hunter. Yeah, um, Ugg? Uh, yeah. yeah, Ugg apparently is, is very Looking like Tom Kiefer <laughs> is very comfortable in his face. Um, as Terrence Mann, you know, I, yeah. apparently Terrence Mann wanted the job because the, one of the easiest things is if you have a, if you want to bring back a character, but that character's face transforms is that is no problem at all. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like recasting Jason, you know, it's like you recast Jason every time because the, the previous guy wants a good quote now. And they're like, yeah. yeah, we just need a big guy, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just get a new big guy and pay him nothing. Awesome. Great. You know, it's 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 not like even Freddy Krueger, where that character is 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 somewhat um, embodied by the performer, you know, where you're like, yeah. you can feel that that is that guy and he's good at it. He's good at the voice. He's good at the mannerisms. People associate him with that character. Nah, you could just swap it out whenever. So, you know, nobody ever makes any real money off of the character. I don't I got I got too wrapped up in how the bounty hunters look awesome. Yeah, the well, it's one of the things that makes the movie fun. It's like it's kind of yeah. it gives a kind of I don't know Scandahuvian um, fantasy prog rock rock and roll vibe, where it's yeah. kind of like their costumes are almost as if they were like the backing band for Yes or something, yeah. <laughs> you know, or they were somebody that would open up for ABBA in the eighties. You know, it's it's not yeah. it's not totally space. It's more like, you know, if there was a D Dungeons and Dragons Spelljammer TV show in 19, 
88 or something. Yeah, that's what, yeah, that's a good one. It's got, you know, you put it in space and it kind of makes sense in a way, but it it has really like uh, Nina Warrior or uh, what's her, Warrior Princess. Nina? Who's who's the Warrior Princess? (laughs) Xena. Steven Warrior Princess. Xena Warrior Princess, yeah. Xena. As as big Xena, Xena, yeah. 99 Nina Princesses. (laughs) So basically in two... Two is a little bit of the aliens, what one is to alien, um, where it's sassier, um, the gags are a little bit bigger. The main transition is instead of being a very slow movie that builds brick by brick, this is a very efficient movie, Critters 2, that goes bang, bang, bang through a script and delivers a series of comedic gags, many of which are um, flamingly slapstick. From the first big gag being that after they consume the dog of the the junkyard owner and the uh, the junkyard owner himself, and 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 go from there, they uh, they explode at Easter, as you might imagine. After the, they're placed all over the property for the Easter egg hunt. And they immediately attack, attack the, the shitty new sheriff in town who is dressed up as the Easter bunny and jump into his costume and rend him limb from limb. Yeah. Um, it was, it's a tragedy of epic proportion of epic proportions, but he was already a douchebag. So you don't feel bad. It's just funny. Yeah. And something about Kreitz, um, whether by, storytelling accident or by design, they tend to only eat shitty people. Yeah. And they tend to wound, you know, mom and dad and -and so-and-so. But generally as a rule, particularly in the first movies where there's a kind of like through line to how they behave, they don't kill children. They tend to start on the people with bad moral decision-making you know yeah. the 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 uh, the alcoholic junkyard owner who sells random crap to the church lady. You know they they kill people that make bad and awful decisions, and they tend yeah. to just wound the well intentioned, which you know of course is a phenomenon that certainly happens in horror movies, but it it is one of the only things that kind of whether by accident or design gives the Kreitz a certain kind of logic. And for those of us who have no familiarity, I cannot fail to mention that the crates talk on screen. Yeah. And they're fucking hilarious. Because they have a little like like (laughs) space language and then it's subtitled as to what they're saying. And they are dirty and nasty as hell. And it gives them a layer of humor that really adds to the movies, particularly the the first movie is so seemingly serious for the first 45 minutes. And then the Krites start rolling around and ripping people open and saying like, ah, fuck this killer. Who gives a shit? And, and just, it's, it's kind of like the talking raccoons in uh, the movie, the great outdoors with John Candy. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe the other way around. I mean, maybe they got that idea from the (laughs) Krites. I don't know, but it's fucking hysterical. I mean, it really, it's really a good gag. And, 
and so they have they have personality. You uh, you kind of want to root for them to a certain extent because yeah. they're really uh, in they're really enjoying their id and just being what they are. All they do is eat and lay eggs and make more crites. That's basically it. And yeah, they're they they embody mayhem and they like they enjoy all of the eating and killing and they don't care about anything because I remember like. Uh, one critter like warned another critter about like them having guns or something, and then mm. didn't the other critter say like I don't give a shit if they have guns? <laughs> like, yeah, they have a very nihilistic. Um, you know, there's kind of a yeah. blend between. There's kind of a blend between uh, animalistic, like who gives a shit, kind of like dog style thinking, which is yeah. like not thinking, and yeah. kind of like punk rock sarcasm like fuck off yeah and, you know kind of vibe <laughs> yeah. where you're like yeah i mean we could and, and the thing is they do um they do strategize they do they <laughs> yeah. do you know in two particularly um on occasion one crate will gorge themselves so significantly and they don't seem to have genders they they yeah. reproduce with eggs, but there is never even an intimation as to how that is fomented. Like eggs yeah. just happen, and then more crites come out of the eggs. There's no yeah. <laughs> like lady crites. None of them wears lipstick and gets all sexified like in a Gremlins movie. There's none yeah. of that. Just eggs happen, and then there's more crites. As far as we know, they have one gender, and so sometimes one of them by um, success at just eating a ton of shit will just turn into a super crate that'll be like, yeah. you know, the size of a child or a little person in a rubber suit, coincidentally. And then there are other versions of super crates, particularly the massive crate ball uh, yeah. in, the, in the climax of, uh, of two. In Critters 2, do you have a, a, a at least vague... Um, recollection of how this went. I have a I have a clear recollection of okay. how it went. Yeah, because I um again whenever I saw the movie, things must have been different in the past because they <laughs> they roll over a guy and eat him, right? Uh yeah. The, the main well, I, gag is so the the crates form after they consume all of this business at the Huffy at the hungry heifer um, burger stand. Um, some of them have survived the machinations of the townspeople and they roll up into this ball that it's like, it's basically a story tall. It's yeah. like, I mean, it, it is colossally big. Uh, I, I mean, and it is, I don't know. It's just a, it's just a huge sphere of other furry balls <laughs> yeah. and it, they're gnashing their teeth and rolling. And then they yeah. roll over this guy and the gag is hilarious. You're looking down at the corpse and it's just like, Blood on a skeleton that just flops yeah, down to the ground. That's I I remember I remember that happening completely different. Like it was so much more gratuitous and vivid about the guy getting his flesh ripped off and everything. But that's yeah. not what the movie's like. The movie is just like a skeleton. I think it's like moving or some type of comedy thing. Like the jaws are going I I I or something like that. Yeah, it, and I mean, it looks absolutely ridiculous. It's just fake blood on a skeleton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it's like it's a it's a good laugh, you know. And, it's a pretty and, good laugh, yeah. <laughs> so two is is full of um, just broader gags, where uh, one was a little bit more. 
I want to say, bolted down to the sober reality that, that they inst- established in the first half of the film. Two really gets you um, efficiently through a lot of comedy. Is, is, the, is the comedy better? Eh, I don't know. It just depends on your mood. But man, the movie fucking hauls ass. So if you're like, yeah. I'm ever gonna, I'm only ever gonna watch one Critters movie. I think it's a debate between the two. I'd say watch both one and two. But if you yeah. if you're if you don't want to deal with all that world building, one is slow, but one is also the more surprising and in a way more hilarious movie. Um, two has uh, tits and explosions, so I you know yeah. it's just a, it depends. Yeah. I well then watch two, yeah. <laughs> Hi there. My name is Douglas Rassensberger and I'm a CEO and founder of Douglas's Cutlasses. Have you ever found yourself in this situation? You've just gotten home from a long day of spurring growth at your small but thriving business. You're just trying to slice some quality deli meats and cheeses for a relaxing snack, and suddenly there's a mysterious intruder rummaging through your garbage outside. What's a domestic disruptor to do when you get in a pickle like this? Pull out your handy-dandy, short-handled, half-guarded navel sword, that's what. Here at Douglas and Colors, we've got every possible colors for every conceivable scenario. Are you an aspiring or current CEO of a Fortune 500 company? I've got a color for that. A middle school teacher struggling to maintain discipline in the classroom? I've got a colors for that. Looking to add a little flair to drab dinner parties? I've got a colors for that. Some people say to me, but Douglas, I'm not a pirate, privateer, or sailor. What do I need with a battle quality 27 inch half guard naval sword? I'm so glad you asked. Here at Douglas's Cutlasses, our research shows that the vast majority of conflicts, both business and personal, can be positively affected by the introduction of a modest, well-crafted naval sword. So let's get swashbuckling. No matter what's your problem, an easy-to-wield iron forged cutlass is probably the solution. So once again, I'm Douglas Raffensperger of Douglas's Cutlasses. Come get stabby with me. Please go to paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters and make a payment there. And that's oops with two O's. Again, that link is paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters. That's what made it, that's what made it wonderful is that it didn't take itself seriously and there's no way it could. And Gremlins did. <laughs> You think Gremlins? I no. I think Gremlins has a great sense of humor. I think yeah. No, I I I gotta argue with you there because I think Gremlins' sense of humor is amazing. It's it's taking itself seriously on a more um, on a quality level because it's a higher yeah. budget movie. Well, that's kind of what I meant. Yeah. Yeah, but like the production of Gremlins took it seriously. Oh yeah, for sure. I I know. Like yeah, yeah. The theme of the movie, like you watching it, you know that there's humor in it, of course, but. Uh, the everybody involved with Kremlins wanted it to look absolutely stunning. <laughs> uh, but I, I really, th- Critters was so far back in my like popcorn munching rearview mirror <laughs> that I really couldn't say anything definitive about it, other than I knew that it was silly and fun and and enjoyable. Yeah, and and all of that is true. But you know. When I go back to these movies from the 80s, 
so many of them that what's really there so doesn't match my experience of having seen them in the 80s or the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's like is it 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 feels almost like reality is just warped through time. And you're like, man, brains yes. really brains really do things to critters. Is a different memories. movie from what I remembered. I remembered all of it being so detailed and intricate and like like the whenever the critter ball rolls over the guy. I remember that being like absolutely horrifying. Like it was, it was realistic, and there was a lot more guts and blood, and it took a lot longer than yeah. just like the four second joke that it was. And I watch it's just a skeleton, kind of <laughs> with fake blood splash on it, going I I I I I. Well, the the enthusiasm of the of the juvenile brain will really yeah. if you take something that is good. You take something that has like uh, that generates joy or a mix of fear and anxiety and these other emotions. It gives you this like response. You you know what your brain does is take like that was great, and then over time, kind of big fish stories that and turns it into a, a b much bigger thing that it is. And so that's when you experience that. You get the snapback and you watch it later on when you don't have a child's mind. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah. that's good. It's funny. But yes. it's not. It, 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 a bunch in of my rubber mind, balls. Yeah. In my, in my mind, it was this just gratuitous nightmare of, of, of a blood feast that was just, yeah. just ripping through everything in sight. And yeah. it's just it's not it's, it's just funny how the brain pr plays tricks and, in these ways. And the bounty hunter like transformations. Whenever I saw that as a kid, I thought that it was like some type of advanced special effect, like something that <laughs> yeah. that like they must have actually videotaped aliens doing this because there's no way <laughs> well, that practical yeah. effects can achieve this. But it's <laughs> it's just some simple tricks in like a guy wearing a thing on his face. They, <laughs> like, yeah, they did they did work pretty hard to do the like kind of quick lime style transitions. I mean, obviously they did a um like a they cranked the the camera at a different speed and did a bunch of analog stuff for that. They do one elaborate transition when they show Lee still on the ship turning yeah, from like the face from, melting from thing. no face into yeah. his first face. Uh, I think it's Lee, and yeah. you know what? And what they what the what how it works is really surprising. Is like he melts totally like yeah. a like a Lucio Fulci gag down to a like a skeleton. Like that must be what I'm remembering. And then kind of Hellraiser backs layers of bone and blood and, and yeah. sinew into a face. And you're like, holy shit. I mean, in the 80s, in the 80s, it would have been even pretty fucking impressive, not just to a child, but to an adult for particularly yeah. for a fairly low budget movie. It okay. was a, it was a pretty elaborate gag. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures of this and this. Okay, this had this is definitely what I'm remembering. It's not a bad gag from for '86. You know, it's kind yeah, of yeah. No, actually, this I, is pretty good. <laughs> I would I would call it kind of like the messy, bloody version of, um, you know, the the shitty henchman sister in Superman Three that gets turned into a pissed off robot. Do you remember that? No. <laughs> uh, but, uh, well, that's okay. Uh, I, I don't remember the nobody Superman in the, nobody well in the, the yeah nobody in the world fixates on Superman three with Richard Pryor the way that I do. Um, but there's a very upsetting <laughs> scene where the not Lex Luthor like billionaire evildoer has 
a couple of like hench women. One is his like uh, crooked sister of a bitch lady, and the yeah. other is his like um, up all night with Rhonda Shear, hot blonde girlfriend. And <laughs> a, a series of unfortunate events leads it so that bitch ass sister gets trapped in this. Um, kind of like studio apartment sized computer as it begins breaking down and the computer <laughs> pulls her into it. And yeah. it, like in real time, there is a, an analog, an analog and digital like a uh, um, comp effect of the computer, like turning her into a robot lady that walks out going like, I will laser destroy everyone. And it just really, really fucked me up as a kid. And this is kind of the, um, alien melts into a new face version of that. But yeah. this did not upset me. I, I didn't remember or care about this. I remember that Richard Pryor was like an accidental hacker. Like, yeah. didn't he just hit backslash and like ruin yeah. the banks? <laughs> It was this weird thing where that we were so pre-understanding of like how being good at computers worked yeah. that like he was like a he was like a dumbass savant, which is like not which is like not a thing, right? Like yeah, yeah. like like if you watch this the scenes where he learns computer, right? He yeah. like sits down, he gets this job and says try try doing computer. And he sits down at this terminal and he starts doing things and he starts looking up at the people working there and he's like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. And like, yeah. like he's discovered that he's a, you know, a, a secret pianist and has never touched a piano before. And yeah. now he's a goddamn virtuoso. I'm like, no, no, no. no. Yeah, that nothing, was really... Nothing works like that unless you've had a traumatic brain injury that has like opened up part of your neurological functioning. <laughs> Um, I mean, like, like it's a, it's a stereotype for certain kinds of autistic people that on some very tiny corner of reality does happen. But unless somebody <laughs> hits you with a fucking hammer, you don't sit down and be like, oh, man, I'm like Bill Gates. <laughs> like, it's just not a thing. Don't you have another one for me? I put in a voucher for expenses. Oh. Yeah, that upset me on several levels. I thought that that was really insulting to Richard Pryor. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was like, also... You could have made his character a genius, but no. You, you made him made a dumbass yeah, who stumbles him, you, you upon computer hacking. Yes, you could have <laughs> just made him a guy who, through the situation that he's in in life, is a guy who is a computer genius... Yeah. But is not able to like turn that into anything, and then he meets <laughs> yeah. up with an evil billionaire. That fucking makes sense. Yeah, that's a story that happens. <laughs> yeah. Instead, you're gonna be like, "Huh? Look at this! Oh my god! Whoa! Crack into the Pentagon! I don't know how's this happening." And <laughs> but this was there was also a kind of like a minor meme during the mid to late '80s of. Um, like, uh, black computer hacker geniuses. I, yeah. I want to say that there was a, uh, there was definitely, um, the guy in Die Hard. Yeah. And, and I, I know what you're talking about. There yeah. was, there was something about, um, computers during the 80s where 
it was basically magic. And you're like, don't worry about it. Yeah. Let's just, you know, let's make it, let's make it like the um, witch doctoring of 1987. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, like, let's, if we're going to have a, if we got a team of nine people in this movie, make one of them black and he'll do computers. I'm like, great. Yeah. Sounds awesome. Yeah, Give like, him some what, glasses. Like a Hollywood writer is like, what don't I understand? <laughs> computers black people, and young black men. Black yeah. people in these <laughs> floppy, floppy discs. Yeah. No, it doesn't. <laughs> so let's just cram them into one thing. Efficiency. Efficiency in storytelling. Oh, um, writers. But anyway. 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 I love Superman 3. Uh, this, <laughs> which is really not the greatest one by far, but it's some of the best silly shit in it. What the hell's going on? I mean, what the hell is going on? For some reason, the people that make Critters really like bowling. Um, they're in, in one of the first movies, they're in a bowling alley and Ugg, like, uh, first of all, there's a whole bunch of shit in the bowling alley and, and Ugg, like, gets, walks up to the people that are bowling. They're like, who is this English dandy in the Dungeons and Dragons armor? And he takes a bowling ball and throws it the whole length of the lane and the pins just like shatter like dust. That's pretty funny. And then in three, which is a movie that deserves basically no sentences of the English language other than to mention first movie that Leonardo Leonardo DiCaprio was in, end point, (laughs) um, also has a slow motion sequence where a girl flashes back to like bowling earlier and uses a a small standing like ash tray, like the ones that were kind of like, you know, bowling ball width and would stand, you know, two feet off the ground and throws (laughs) it down what is seriously like four stairs at these crates and they all go they all go tumbling in slow motion all over the Bronx or whatever the fuck it is and I guess for for trivia's sake they filmed uh, the producers who um, also were the story writers in this instance which may give you some knowledge about how they were written um, also created four they shot four at the same time so they were doing uh, they were doing a whole Steven Spielberg like you're never gonna see this coming, um, <laughs> Back to the Future three, right yeah. on the tail of Back to the Future two credits have the preview in them bullshit <laughs> for um, for critters for critters in motherfucking space um, is just what critters four is. <laughs> Which is one of the most ignorable movies of all time, except for the fact, except for the fact that Brad Pitt, uh, Brad Pitt, Brad Brad Dourif, beloved mountaineer character actor from Huntington, West Virginia, Brad Dourif, star of, uh, of, no, he's from Huntington. Trust me. Google. I, I, I know my Brad Dourif. All right. All right, then. I wish he was from Fairmont. We could go, yeah, like, like go, uh, see go, go <laughs> pounce on him. <laughs> but no, he lives. He lives in California, unsurprisingly. Well, yeah. And he's a he's a big poet. He writes poetry. You know that? Yes, I did know that. So for everybody out there, the Chucky doll is a big poet. So yeah. Um, and also, have you seen the cartoon American Dad? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, did you know Scott Grimes is Steve Smith? <laughs> I did know that. Ah. When, I, when I moved to... When I, he's also Malarkey in Band of Brothers. Yes, he's also Malarkey in Band of Brothers, one of the best acted characters. 
Yeah, I and well, like, I like Scott Grimes as an adult. He's a, he's a I solid know. actor, and he's, he's not good. really in much. <laughs> well, he's doing fine. He's doing fine. Oh yeah, as, he's doing great. He's in the Orville. A lo- yes, a lot the of the uh, he's doing really good at looking very young. Still, I'll say. Yeah, you know, like because he's he's a chunk older than us. And he he's got sea he's bass got, and justified. He's got a little bit of that polished ginger thing where like some polished so, ginger. Yeah, he, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Um oh shit, I had a thought. Oh, there's a great quote if you look on um Terrence Mann's IMDB page that says, uh and I'm gonna freestyle this from my head rather than look at it. It says um, oh yeah, movie movies will make you famous, TV will make you rich, but theater will make you good. Yeah. Which, uh, and <laughs> I think if you follow the various paths of all of the A, B, C, D, whatever, X different stars in these movies and look at the people that have had careers and have lesser careers, it yeah. illustrates a lot of, it illustrates a lot of that. I mean, the people that are doing things that are quality, um, are come from certain backgrounds. It's interesting that you know Terrence Mann is somebody that's in fucking Cats and Rocky Horror and yeah. Um, and but also spends time in TV. And Ethan Phillips is somebody that's had success in sci-fi and TV. Scott Grimes seems to be doing a pretty good job. Yeah. Um, uh, unfortunately, uh, a lot of the women are not necessarily as interesting in these movies because fucking the 80s. I mean, there's there's a lot of good characters. Um, who did you bring up? Lynn, what's her face? Lynn Shea. Was, yeah, she's, fan- she's fantastic. Yeah, Lynn Shea is always good. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what I remember her from because she has such a fantastic delivery. Well, there... <laughs> And there was Kingpin. Yes. Where she was yeah. the landlady. Yeah. Well, everybody I, knows that. The, yeah, I was explaining that, that to that I was explaining that to my partner. I was like, you see her, right? It was like like the nasty landlady from bowling pin. She's like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you don't remember what I mean. Because yeah. like it's one of those things that either clicks into place and you're like, ugh, or it yeah. doesn't click into place. And they did <laughs> such a good job of making her scary as hell in 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 um in that movie yeah, because she, she's like was like she's a very appealing person otherwise but yeah, uh they, oh well kingpin they put like a layer of grime on her <laughs> yeah she, yeah it looked it looked like she'd been un, un, under a bridge with you know like silt and and, it, and hero, yeah. heroin user leavings she like she, yeah she had been in a hotel room since the 70s where people have just smoked nonstop. Yeah, it, ga- it gave me a sense that, like, she'd been living in a squat with 1980s punks who had just been, like, a- like ashing on an air vent directly over her. Yeah, she... Where she'd been watching Family Feud for 12 years without moving. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's Lynn. She owns the building. <laughs> yeah. She's um, cool. I'd like to sell you this smokeless ashtray. Yeah. Uh, Right. Eddie, so Eddie Deason is in almost every cartoon. Yeah, he's like, turned he's turned being that guy into a whole gig. Yeah. So good for you, Eddie Deason. You win <laughs> at Hollywood nerd business. Um, I actually we could probably we could probably get connected to Eddie Deason because my my friend Lee, friend of the show Lee, he did like a comedy show with him in it. Yeah, um, yeah. Like he's a real comedy producer in terms of like stand up and 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 things. <laughs> Let's get Eddie Deason on Eddie Hoops D- All Monsters and just do a bunch of monster voices. 
That would be. That would be. Oh, there's a monster, monster voices. I, I, I'm not prepared now, but I would be prepared at the time. We could do that. We could compare assy McGee's. Oh God! Ready for orders, Captain. We never cross assy McGee's. It's one of the rules, which re, which re, never which re, cross Ashley McGee. Which reminds me that this this show or this show this uh, series, the Critter series, more than a couple of times makes it obvious that they have watched Ghostbusters. Yeah. Um, the the team of bowlers that is obvious in the bowling alley in the first movie, they're wearing basically Ghostbusters insignias, except instead yeah. of a ghost, it's a bowling pin, bowling pin on the yeah. back of their shirt. Um, and in the second movie, Scott Grimes says, who are we going to call the Kreitzbusters? Um, there's some very ostentatious awareness of, of Ghostbusters in these movies, which I, which I always appreciate. We have not, not gotten to Ghostbusters because we don't like it. It's because it's fucking Ghostbusters. There was a lot of things that the Critters franchise has connected to everything that I personally loved as a child, which was like hair metal, um, sleeveless denim vest, uh, practical effects, um, just, uh, the, the taking a slapstick concept, like a little ball of fur that destroys everything and making it seem sophisticated. Yeah. Yeah. And like, um, uh, gonzo guns, (laughs) <laughs> they can well, do hold like on. A, I, r- remind like a, me don't let me forget to talk about the guns okay. because because <laughs> but let me get to this let me get to the well first of all i'll hit the guns real quick before i forget it's the thing is the guns and i this is not you know i'm was born when you know me i know not anywhere near as much as you know about guns but i know yeah. about some fucking 80s guns yeah i know 80, yeah. I, 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 like i i i give you a list I can talk a little bit about guns. And these space guns are the dickiest space guns that have ever looked like dicks and been guns. Let yeah. me tell you, they're like, they're longer than your arm. They're a cylinder with a longer, heavier cylinder on the end that works as a head, which has a tapered end and a hole. And yeah. when they get ready to use them, they extend and make a yeah. sound. <laughs> yeah. so like, okay, it has a big metal head with a round tapered hole. And it extends when you're ready to use it. That is the dickiest yeah. gun I've seen in a lot. I've seen a lot of s- dicky space guns. Like, <laughs> I've seen them on Star Trek. I've seen it on Star Wars. I've seen it on Firefly. You know, you know, your Blade Runner doesn't really give you a gun that looks like a dick. Because usually your art department is like, this gun looks too much like a dick. And the people on <laughs> Critters are just like, so? Yeah, fucking make gun. Make this gun a dick. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's a tube with a bigger tube on the end, and it gets longer when you're ready to use it. It'll blammo, get blammo. bigger in excitement yeah, for they're, use. They're space bounty hunters. Sometimes they got tits. Some, sometimes they got tits. Sometimes they look like English rock and rollers. You're thinking about it too much. Shoot fucking <laughs> space monsters with giant dick guns. Critters. Kill Christ. What I was hoping to happen has happened, which is that I, I I like to come into my episodes having already grabbed on to the balls of what is what is this monster about? Not just, you know, and the thing yeah. is, like I said at the beginning, 
Critters is just fucking isn't about anything. It's just yeah. about fucking little bitey space monsters. It's about critters. And, about critters. and but what critters in the movies that actually make sense, what critters is about is that the critters represent themselves one way of thinking. The normal humdrum everyday citizens represent another way of thinking, which is just regular ass normal fucking people, right? American yeah. goddamn citizens. And then to a certain extent, the bounty hunters and the misfits and outsiders that are able to relate to the bounty hunters and understand their necessity represent the other way of thinking. Yeah. And that triangulation is actually what Critters is about. It's yeah. not about the little furry balls that shoot spines and go <laughs> and do yeah. hilarious gags. Like, it is about that. But in reality, it's not a continuum. It is a triangle where the reason the most important characters are Scott Grimes and Keith Opper are because they're alienated from the standard, you know, uh, stand on the corner and bully the weird kid way of thinking of their small town reality. Yeah. And because of that, they're able to do things like believe in aliens and blow up monsters when they start chewing on mom. They're prepared for out-of-the-box thinking and unlikely events in the way that the sheriff, as portrayed by E. Emmett Walsh, is not, yeah. right? Yeah. Then that triangulation is actually the story. That the yeah. crazy guy whose feelings broadcast alien uh, you know, messages to him, he's he's relevant in a way. His dynamic or disturbed, quote-unquote, or off-kilter way of thinking is not only necessary, it's, it's not only, like, valid, it is also crucial for, you know, everybody's ultimate success. So I had no idea what the fuck that was, and there it is. We cracked critters. You're welcome. Yeah. Everybody. Everybody <laughs> yeah. it was it was everybody was on the edge of their fucking seats going, how many more years of my life do I have to go before I figure out what is up with critters? Well, solved. Yeah, that that used to be a I don't think that's a concept much anymore where cuz everybody thinks um you know, they're going to handle any fictitious thing because everybody loves fiction now. <laughs> but it really wasn't like that not too long ago where normal people really didn't want to think too much about anything extra and Critters was an underground movie instead <laughs> of, how could you not like this? Well, people didn't like bullshit like that back then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just e even, uh, well, yeah. Well, uh, all right, yeah, you, so you're, yeah, you have just described a long-term macro phenomenon that has taken decades where, you know, I once at one of the horror conventions that I used to attend, I, I, I attended an outdoor nighttime speech by Bruce Campbell yeah. where, um, and the, the name of the speech and the whole point of it was basically, um, 
B movies are now the A movies. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he had just been in, I think, the first Spider-Man movie with Tobey fucking Maguire. (laughs) And and because, you know, Sam Raimi directed it. So, of course, he gave Bruce a shot in it. And that was just the very bleeding edge of the phenomenon where, like, you could not predict the MCU or WandaVision or, um, you know, Deadpool or yeah. uh, Peacemaker yeah. with yeah. a million, you know, with a million foot long telescope from that vantage point in, say, yeah, 2000, 2003, 2006. Right there. You yeah. nobody even seeing the trend going, even having a multi-decade star standing in front of you telling you this is the path where this is going. I was like, you're absolutely right. Like, I could see it all. And it seemed like a very (laughs) novel concept to most of the people sitting around, you know, um, in their kind of like Nightmare Before Christmas pajamas listening to Bruce Campbell talk about whatever Bruce Campbell is talking about. (laughs) And to me, it was very it was very clear where you were saying like, well, culture is always mining the unobserved culture of 30 or 50 years ago. Yeah. You know, I, I won't I I totally would say that in 15 or 20 years, we're going to be mining the fucking 80s soap operas of 1982 for redone versions of those because that's another you know it's a totally different flavor it's not eight-year-old boys and the and the dc comic books that well i'm sure is probably a layer of that that's already happened you're probably right yeah but there are you know and not every disposable piece of culture is secretly great you know (laughs) that's that's some things just are disposable but so a lot of disposable culture d- is secretly made w- in, with a lot of intelligence and love where who would have been able to tell you that the most popular show on digital television in 2022 was about the DC character Peacemaker, <laughs> who basically not even comic book fans was aware yeah. existed yes. unless you were like I know. I know like a I was deep nineteen sixties Steven. You know yeah, what I mean? Like I was a, talking about this yesterday. I I was I was telling I was telling my girlfriend, like, not even comic book fans know who Peacemaker was. Like, I I had kind of a clue because I had a thing back in like 94 or 5 where I looked for the most obscure comic book character to like and mm-hmm. a lot of people did and they came up with Dragon and like <laughs> okay like the image guy Dragon yeah I know who you mean you yeah. mean the guy with the with the the mohawk that's like a a reptile fin yeah that guy yeah yeah um so people liked him and but but I found Peacemaker a while ago, and I'm not trying to be like cooler because I didn't really learn about him. I just knew what he looked like, and yeah, I th- and I hadn't thought about him until like two weeks ago, and and it it confused me. Like I had to make sure. Like Peacemaker isn't really a main character or anything, is he? No. <laughs> have you seen the show? Because you know, oh, you yes, have Netflix. I have oh, okay, seen the were, show. Oh, okay, and it's okay. Fucking fantastic! Yeah, I can't it's, it's believe phenomenal. the music in it. I cannot <laughs> believe the music in it. That open, that opening, that that, that opening fucking, thing has me that, so confused. What's the motif of the dance? What is that shit? 
What? Why? What is the like intro, broken weightlifting, breakdancing weird? You could not pay me to skip that <laughs> intro. It's so fucking. Funny I know. I watch it. I watched it every episode. So I watched fucking, every episode so this past funny. weekend, and I didn't skip the intro once. It was. It's so amazing, and just just from the music alone. It's sold me on that. And I was telling my partners, what there are so many reasons why the intro to The Peacemaker is is funny. And and it's only like 30 seconds long. Maybe it's I know. A <laughs> and one is that John Cena is a total fucking action figure of a human being. Like, yeah, he, yeah, he is. He, he, he looks is, like an action figure. <laughs> you know, I've been saying for a while that The Rock's career has to do with the fact that he's Schwarzenegger 2.0. Because yeah. like Hulk Hogan never really had it as an as a as a movie star. No. Like Hulk Hogan was in a handful of movies, but he didn't have the thing. He didn't have that, you know, Jason Momoa or The Rock or John Cena thing to be truly lovable on camera, despite Yeah. Well they have co- a sense of humor. Yeah, Hulk Hogan it has have to do with it has humor. to do with a d- deep ability to be relatable and empathic at, yeah. with, with the camera observing you yeah. and most and most um most wrestling performers are doing kabuki yeah and they're not able to tighten down into they're not able to screw the kayfabe down into a tiny little consumable nugget or do it in a tiny little repetitive version because yeah. filmmaking is hard being a film actor is hard, or everybody else would be yeah. fucking Michael Caine. You know, if there well, the, it takes a certain set of skills, and I actually would say that bringing in theatrical abilities, bringing in theatrical abilities such as wrestling theater and kayfabe, yeah. that is a version of a theatrical ability: is putting on a character, delivering, uh, you know, physical and character choices and roles. Um, your character has discoveries. They have emotional events while the the incident is going on. They've got enemies. They've got friends. They've got betrayal. Yeah, you know, wrestling can be a truly thoroughly theatrical thing. Oh, so absolutely. The, That's, yeah. And John Cena is obviously on a different fucking level. Of course um, he is. John so Cena impressed funny. me the same way that The Rock impressed me so many years ago in Southland Tales. Interesting. I still like, haven't seen that. Still really? haven't seen that. Well, the Jeremy Rock brings it up like every month. I don't know. Yeah, The Rock, who is The Rock, is a completely different person in Southland Tales, and he sells it. He's like a nervous idiot. And yeah, well, <laughs> K- well, the thing is, kayfabe is work. If you're in, I don't know, if you're someplace that doesn't know wrestling or what kayfabe is, is kayfabe yeah. is the artifice of professional wrestling, the mask, the metaphorical mask of being your character such to make sure that the artificiality of the storytelling of professional wrestling remains intact, right? Yeah. Wearing the costume, wearing the glasses, not breaking during interviews. Even if you, if you get a crack in your fucking skull during an event, you don't wave somebody down and say, Hey, call the whole thing off, Jerry. No, you don't something to work with. You <laughs> lean in and you handle yeah. that shit after you're off camera. That's kayfabe. And kayfabe can, in people that are able to transition it into other realms, 
lead you into having like a compelling acting career or what have you. Yeah. The great Oz has spoken. Is it, is it, is it, is it, is it bitchin' Van Art? Is Critters, are the Crites bitchin' Van Art? Are it they seems like they Art? should be. I think they can. I think they, they can could be. be. Yeah. I mean, they have that kind of. I mean, they're although they are inherently a little dumbass puppet. Yeah. <laughs> they they have such a life on VHS box art. Yeah. I'll put it this way. I'll if I'll say if you include the anything to do with the bounty hunters, you're yeah. Good to go. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Th- that yeah, is yeah. that. If, space, if, yeah, they have a spaceship. If the they critters, have dick if guns, the critters are, they have yeah. trench coats, jackets that can Because I will the say wind. the Critters franchise is bitchin'. Yeah. Because when you don't think about just the puppets, you've, you've always got rock and yeah. roll douchebags. You've always got, you've got shotguns, bounty hunters, laser weapons, spaceships. Yeah. So if it's not just the little fucking rolled up Bali puppets, and it, it is anything. Definitely bitchin' van art. It is bitchin' van art. Okay, so yes. Bitchin'. Is it, is it, is it, is it, is it bitchin' van art? And that brings us to the end of our time with you, dear reader. Until next time, when we deliver you another batch of beasts, bullywugs, and bowls of flesh-eating dessert fluff. If you'd be so kind as to tell a friend or support us by throwing Oops All Monsters A five-star reviews on iTunes or any of the formats, it really does help. Share an episode on your favorite social media and hit up our Instagram for the images that go along with each episode. Comment on Instagram, engage us on all of the formats, or send us suggestions in an email about the monsters that you want us to cover, or send us any type of story, send us any story at all, at oopsallmonsters at gmail.com. And we really would appreciate it if you would consider tossing a coin into the potion fund with a one-shot contribution at paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters, or if you're feeling really froggy sign up at patreon.com slash oops all monsters lastly i have to thank my wonderful friend katie for our incredible theme song her work as part of the duo the darling kathleen's can be found on youtube at the darling kathleen's and with that i have been hess and i have been gavin and we have been oops Drunk at the bowling alley. All critters. Bowling. People who live in Big fields love bowling. Penis assault cannon. Big penis assault cannon. Big assault cannon energy. What's even weirder is that I cannot find the cartoon picture of the goblin. It's supposed to be saving pictures. It was a pictures, phantom in your mind. Phantom cartoon goblin. It's, it's decided that goblins don't exist. It was a mind goblin. It was a mind goblin. (laughs) The little boy was a goblin the whole time. Yeah, but I knew that. Okay. (laughs) okay. Stop this. Stop this relentless torment. We're all goblins down here.